Lord God, wake us up to a worship for you now this fall. In the midst of all this struggle, may our worship not stop. And all of God's people said, Amen. Well, it's great to be here with you today. And uh, we are continuing in a series called Light the Fire. Light the Fire. And it's all about you having a passion for your God, maybe like never before. It's about going after your king with words and with actions. Maybe it's setting something down. Maybe it's picking something up, but it's going after your God with all you've got. You individually, and then as all of us individually rally together, then us as a church. And may this church be on fire for Jesus Christ. Man, may we get after going for our king with all we've got. No matter where you're at, whether you're worshiping at home or you're worshiping here in this place, whether you're at your job, wherever it is, may God get all the glory. A church on fire. It is consistent. It is all week long. It is each one of us, and it is all of us. Ready? And all of God's people said. It's a huge call, man. It's a huge call. So as we do go after that, each week we're going to be going verse by verse, phrase by phrase, word by word, through the book of 1 Timothy. And just asking God to shape us and change us. And uh, we're looking at different challenges throughout. The first chapter was all about the message that the church on fire has, the gospel message. And then chapters two and three have been about the members of the church and what it looks like for all of us together. And then for the role of women, for the role of men, for all of us to be going after what we're called to. And um, today we're going to be going after what it looks like to have the leadership team that God calls deacons and what that means, all right? So turn with me, if you will, to 1 Timothy chapter 3, starting in verse 8. 1 Timothy 3, starting in verse 8, as we look at what dedicated deacons look like. Point number one, ensure that deacons are men who manage their own lives well. Ensure that deacons are men who manage their own lives well. Now, I'm just telling you, as we walk through this, it'd be easy to just dismiss it away to talking about some title and not about some calling. And we just have to make sure that as we go through each of these, we're challenging ourselves personally to just say, could I say this about myself? And Lord God, I long to see what you have to say to me in my challenge for what I should be walking like, right? So ensure that deacons are men who manage their own lives well. Specifically, this word deacon that we're going to go after, it's delivered up right away in the first verse we're looking at. So let's just get started here. It says, deacons likewise must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. They must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. There's really only two main leadership groups that are mentioned in Scripture. There's the elders and the deacons. Now, we see the word elder getting interchanged with words like pastor and overseer. So all of those together, kind of elder, pastor, overseer, and then deacon, all right? So when we see this word deacon, we have to understand what it means. The word comes from the word minister or servant. In the original language, it's got the word ministry built right into it. So these deacons, they're ministers, they're given ministry assignments, physical ministry assignments. So what's the distinction between an elder and a deacon? All right, well, elders provide spiritual leadership and the deacons are providing physical leadership. 
They're providing leadership and provision ministerially in the physical realms, all right? And that's kind of the big distinction that you see going on. It's the ability to serve within the church. And so many of us are actively serving in different ways within the church, which is awesome. And deacons take kind of that key role of being in charge of the physical service that goes on. And uh, so again, we talked about elders last week. They're over doctrine, discipline, direction, right? And the deacons being over the physical realms, here's some areas that uh, our deacons cover. The parking team, right? Praise God for the parking team, right? And uh, the parking team, the ushers, the greeters, the security team, the medical team, the benevolence team. We also have different ministries like the bookstore and the cafe and the communion preparation when we're able to do communion and being able to go after that. All of these different physical ministries actually we have under what we would call our deacon ministry. And we're going to talk more about the deacon ministry throughout the uh, day here as we walk through this. But just wanted to make sure we understand deacon, this is a minister, this is a server, this is somebody who's coming alongside and caring for things. And then in this case, as a church grows, the deacon then becomes someone who actually is um, helping lead servers and helping manage that, all right? That's where we're going. So deacons, likewise must be, and so this is non-negotiables. Everybody just say must be, right? Must be, so these are requirements for this role of deaconship. Deacons likewise must be uh, dignified. And uh, this is the same word that was used last week. This means to honor God and care for others in your actions. To honor God and care for others with the words you use with the actions you go after, to be dignified. Dignifying yourself, dignifying the person you're talking with or caring for, and also dignifying the Lord your God, right? Dignified, to be able to manage that in a way that um, provides and cares for all of those around. Likewise, must be dignified, not double-tongued. Not double-tongued. And uh, just so you know, in the original language, this literally says, not two tongues. That's literally what's there. The word is two-tongued. We would actually use a different phrase today. We would call it two-faced, right? It's the same thing. It means the same thing. It's like you say one thing to one person, and then you come over here, and you know this guy stands a little bit differently. He's got a little different thoughts. You want him to like you, so you say completely the opposite thing to this guy because you just want to win that guy. Sadly, in our day and age, we've actually attached a word to that. Um, the word political. That's sad, man. It, it shouldn't be that way. Politics doesn't have to be that I just try to sell it one way and then I sell it another with a new crew. Take a stand for what you stand for and let's rally together and go after what is absolutely true and right. And all of God's people said, <laughs> dude, that's a huge deal. And may we not be the current meaning of the word political. May we not be two-faced. May we not be two-tongued. May we not say one narrative with one person and then change the whole story because we know this person wants to hear something different. Don't change your words based on your audience so that you're changing the truth you're trying to share. Make sure you're standing on the truth. And as he says, not double-tongued, he's saying, Make sure you're trustworthy with your words. And when people talk to you, can they count on what you're saying? 
Are you trustworthy in your words? That's required for a deacon. Not addicted to much wine. Not addicted to much wine. Now, this is a little bit different statement than was said last week. Last week, it was the phrase something like drunkard, not a drunkard. Not addicted to much wine. And um, I'll just tell you, I don't necessarily like the translation, not addicted to, because that word means something to us. When we hear the word addicted, it usually means something like, I've taken it for a little while, and now chemically it has had an impact on me. And if I don't take it, there's side effects. Like we think of that in that word. Addicted sort of means if I stop, it kind of hurts me with the side effects. And just so you know, that's not what was built into this original language word. It was a very different statement. It may be better to say, not devoted to much wine. Not committed to much wine. That's probably a better understanding of it. There's a heart commitment to wine and setting it down actually is disappointing to self. Like if you can't set it down because of self, he's like, well, that's a little bit of a problem. If you just have to have it, you can't set it down. You don't want to walk away from it. You can't skip a night without. You can't have a weekend where you haven't had. Like that's a problem. It's going too far. That's a devotion and a commitment that's going too far. Romans 14, though, actually talks about how we handle our freedom on another front. And it says, there are times where we have freedoms in Christ, right? Scripture doesn't say, do not drink. It doesn't say that. But it definitely says, don't be drunk and don't mishandle. And in this case, don't be devoted to alcohol and being really careful with that. Well, Romans 14 says something a little different. It says, you have a freedom there, but be careful with that freedom. Because in exercising that freedom, you very well may give somebody standing next to you the license. They may look at you and go, well, if you can, then I can. And they jump in and you're tearing them down. And you really might be taking somebody who can't handle that. And it's going to go to a bad place for them. And while there is the freedom to have a drink, it might go too far for them. So be careful, Romans 14 says, and make sure you know who you're with. And make sure you're not dragging somebody into it or dragging somebody down. Be cautious with your love for another and setting that freedom down for them. So maybe here's the simple way to say it. Devotion to alcohol is like, man, if for yourself, you just can't set it down, you gotta have it no matter what. Like, that's a problem. But here's another side of it. Or if it's for somebody else and you're like, I can't set it down for someone else, I won't do that. I get to have it and so well, then that's a problem. And that's really what he's saying. As he hits the devotion, he's hitting both facets. Make sure you don't have a personal commitment to it and make sure you don't have a kind of a avoidance of what anybody else might be dragged through. Make sure you understand the broader repercussions of what's going on with alcohol and be careful with it. And alcohol can be a problem. It can tear down the home. It can tear down an individual. Be cautious. So again, I'll say, I don't really like the phrase, not addicted to much wine. Probably better to say, not devoted to much wine. Not, I must have the wine, all right? Okay, then he says, not greedy for dishonest gain. Not greedy for dishonest gain. This is actually one word in the Greek. That is a loaded up word, right? Not greedy for dishonest gain. Uh, this literally means hungry to have no matter the cost. Hungry to have, no matter the cost. 
So as you're going through life, as you're wrestling with what it looks like for you, be careful with how you're living life. If life is centered on I must have, if it's centered on property, if it's centered on finances, if it's centered on I must have, be cautious with that. Greedy to have, even if it tears another down, even if it tears your character down, be cautious with that. Not greedy for dishonest gain, right? So again, we're looking at the requirements, the non-negotiables for a deacon, but we're also looking at a great list of things that we can be going after uh, for ourselves personally. Then he says, they must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. They must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. The mystery of the faith. Like, how is this sin of mine managed? And the hope that we have of God Almighty, Jesus Christ, stepping down, clothing himself with human flesh, him dying on the cross and rising again and offering up forgiveness, the mystery that we can be forgiven through Jesus, that's how sin is going to be managed. And there are so many that either don't get it or don't want to get it. And it's something that's confusing to them and they can barely grasp it. And Paul here is calling it a mystery, the mystery of the faith, the hope that we have in Jesus Christ of salvation by his blood on the cross and his resurrection. He said that they would hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. Like as you grasp that Jesus is your almighty king, that he is so worth worshiping. As you understand that he is the God of the universe, he has stepped it down and humbled for you, you love him with all you've got. As you grasp that, well then live that. Show that in your actions, show that in your words. Be careful that your worship isn't for an hour to an hour and 15 minutes on a Sunday sometime, and then the rest of the week you kind of just do your own thing. Not that. Let's just try this. And all of God's people said, not that. Well, Lord, I long to be able to put my life out there for you. I'm ready for my words and I'm ready for my actions to show that I honor the God of the universe who has died for me and who has risen for me. You are my hope. May I live in a way where I have a clear conscience towards this faith I claim. Clear conscience, you know, that's that thing inside that bangs. That's that moral compass that says, here's the way that's right. Here's how it looks to worship God. Let's not walk away from that. And then every once in a while, we just decide, ah, I'm going to do what I want. And I'm going to go away from that conscience. And why we decide that is a complex decision. But the reality is there's something going on inside. There's usually a hurt or a need or a want, and it's not being satisfied in the instantaneous moment, and we decide we're going to go satisfy it on our own. And that self-satisfying costs us. He's like, don't go to the self-satisfaction route. Hang with your God, with all you've got. You know, deacons had a very specific role, and it goes way back. If you go to Acts chapter 6, verse 3, and you don't have to turn there, but Acts chapter 6, verse 3, you actually had the early church that had been formed. Can you imagine what that was like? What the early church being formed was like? What was going on? 
as there were these people who had heard about Jesus Christ. They weren't sure who he was. Then they ended up grasping all these miracles. Then all of a sudden he dies. Then all of a sudden he's risen. Now all of a sudden there's truth being shared and the Holy Spirit pouring on. People are being saved all over the place. You start rallying them together. You're like, what do we do? And you're like, I think we should... Let's just rally them all and we'll do church together of some sort. And so they start doing that together and they're coming up with concept. And along the way, it started to get to be a load. And the apostles were like, you know, this isn't working. There's so much to do. So we're going to continue to preach. We're going to continue to read the word out. We're going to make clear what God stands for and pray. We need somebody to help with the physical part of the church and caring for all that's going on. And that was the first start to the deacons. Acts chapter 6, verse 3, when they rallied together seven people to be able to go after it, and they had a list of requirements for them, like full of the Spirit, Holy Spirit, full of the Spirit and wisdom, able to go after it in big ways. They were strong, they were mature, they had a great reputation with the people, and they loved the Lord. And they pulled these people together and said, help us in the physical ministry of the church. That was really the first deacons going on, and they were living in a way where they held the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience as they partnered with the apostles. And they're like, make sure we continue to do that. God is really affirming that that's a part of the church. Let's go after it. So then he's talking about deacons more here. He says, and let them also be tested first. Let them be tested first. Like, don't just throw them in and hope it works. Let them be tested. Let them have experience. Let them be seasoned veterans in life. Let them taste of it. Man, let me just say this real quickly as a little side note. In our society right now, the number one thing is when I step into a job, I expect you to give me not just what I have shown that I can handle, but way more. That is like the number one thing. And so especially, hey, if you're a a younger person, if you're in your teens or your 20s, please hear me. Scripture's super clear that the first steps you should be going after are just inviting yourself to the foot of the table and faithfully serving in the smallness of the jobs, whatever they are. And as you work and show yourself faithful, there will be a recognition for that and there will be a raising up. And you're like, well, I think what's going to happen is they're going to promote me to the title that actually says I can do what I've already been doing. Yes, that is absolutely true. That's what scripture says. Let them be tested first. You know what that means? Let them be doing the job already. Let them be caring for people. Let them be out there managing the physical needs. Let them be going after it and making sense out of it. And if they're caring for physical needs all over the place, then stepping them up to being in charge of caring for the physical needs. Great job. That's the way to go after it. So just so we're super clear, the idea of, I just want a promotion every eight months, no matter what. Or, hey, why don't you give me this level right now? because I want to be able to make a little more money or I want a little more title on my business card. Like, that's a terrible plan. Everybody just say, gently now, but that's a terrible plan. It is, man. Earn it, earn it happily at the foot of the table, working your way up and God honoring in. Super clear on it. He's like, let them be tested first. May there be humility, maturity, consistency, dependability. He's like, then let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves 
blameless, after they've been able to prove, after there's been a testing ground, after there's been a season of serving, they're mature in the faith, they're following him and they're doing the work of caring for physical needs, then step them up to that position. That's what we're talking about, all right? And uh, man, I'm just telling you, you will find that we work this way around here. And uh, uh, we raise up to next levels by saying who is being faithful in the little Let's raise them up and honor that and having them now help with that more or even be over that. We're raising up those in and not just trying to throw someone on the top. That's a huge deal. And so if you're trying to grasp how in the world do they decide who could be stepping up in ministry, that's what we're doing, exactly this, all right? And um, it's a big deal that we grasp the responsibility of leadership. It's a big deal that we grasp the responsibility of being tested. And uh, I just wanted you to be able to see the pics of our deacons. We showed the pics of the elders last week. Let's go ahead and throw uh, the deacon pic up here. And uh, so these are our deacons. We currently have four deacons. Tim Zobrist on the far right, by the way, these are alphabetical by first name. And uh, we were talking about it beforehand. Pastor Kent noticed that. I'm like, what's the order? So Tim Zoberst on the far right, he is actually uh, kind of the chairman, if you will. He's sort of been watching over the deacons and has some responsibilities down in. And then each of these guys has different areas. Jeff Klaffenstein is over the medical. Joe Yearly is over greeters and ushers and welcome table. And Steve Sturhan helping with benevolence. And then parking team and other details like that go under Tim Zoberst. These are our deacons, all right? And that means they've met these qualifications and they're doing this ministry with us. We're going to talk a little bit more about the deacon ministry in just a little bit in point number two, but I just want to make it clear that you've been able to see these guys so you know a little bit of who they are. They're carrying some load. They've got teams under them that are doing ministry and they're caring for those teams and they're leading those teams and organizing those teams and making sure that God gets all the glory. Okay? It's a huge deal. And if you want to know what it's like to be a deacon, I mean, just every week, man, rolling in here at about 8.10, and we pull in, and you've got a smile on the parking team's face as they're saying hi, and they're welcoming, and, and being really inviting and open, and I'm telling you, smiling no matter what the clouds look like. You know what I'm saying? Like, you look off, and you see this dark, ominous black cloud, and you're like, Hey man, looks like a good day, huh? They're like, ready for it, here we go. I'm just telling you, we have people all over this church who serve like that, who are willing to lay it on the line always from the outskirts of our property all the way in and all the way to the back, taking care of you guys with all they've got. I love the heart of service and being able to step in and be in charge of one thing in one spot in one piece. And doing that faithfully, we've got so many that do that all over the place. Keep serving like that. And man, we've got some deacons that serve over those and watch over those, and they are faithfully managing with all they've got. Love the combination of our volunteering to take care of the physical needs of this church. Ready? And all of God's people said, huge deal, man. So simple question for you. So what does it look like for you to have a servant heart? Does anything need to change? Anything you need to be going after? Which of these things would you take on as saying, Lord, I'd love for this to get a little stronger in my life. May God get all the glory, okay? Point number two, 
Ensure that deacons work with and manage their families well. Ensure that deacons work with and manage their families well. So I don't know if you noticed this, but the points this week are really kind of the same points as last week. Last week was with elders. This week is with deacons. And so first it's about individually managing your own life. And now it's about your families and your job and beyond, the relationships beyond, all right? So here we go. It says, their wives likewise must be dignified. So he's like, hey, just so you know, this isn't just a person in a job. This is a family that has responsibility. And the wife of a deacon has responsibility. Same word here, dignified. And uh, to be able to honor God with your words and your actions and to care for others well. Okay, that's what's required here of a deacon's wife. And not slanderers, not slanderers. This is the, um, hey, did you hear? Did you hear about, oh, I, I don't know if you know this, but did you hear that? Like, not that, right? And by the way, slander is even worse than gossip. Gossip is like, did you hear? And what you're about to share may actually be true. Slander is like, it's not even true. It's a false accusation. In fact, let's be super clear. This word here that's being used is the same exact word Take this the right way. It's the same exact word as the name of Satan, Diabolos. It's Satan's name. He is the slanderer. That's where that name comes from. Satan's name means he is falsely accusing the believers all the time. And he's like, hey, let's make sure that we're not partnering with that false accusation. He actually uses the name of Satan and says, not that. Can we all agree that would be a terrible plan to partner in Satan's work, right? And he's like, let's not do that. Let's not be that. Not slanderers. And then he says, but sober-minded. So clear thinking, temperate, calm. This is the same word that was used last week. Clear thinking, temperate, calm, sober-minded. Thinking clearly, right? If you want to think of it this way, what's the opposite of sober? No, you can answer. It's okay to say the word in church. What's the opposite of sober? Drunk, right? And uh, you're like, usually in church, you just make me say the word Jesus or amen, right? (laughs) That word was a weird word to say out loud. Like the opposite of sober is drunk. He's like, not drunk thinking, not like vague and can't clearly think it through. And, but sober, like clear minded, thinking clearly and being able to grasp it. All right. Faithful in all things, man, having a trust and also being able to be trusted right? Faithful in all things. Following through with your God. Faithful in all things. Remember, we're in the context of this is the deacon's wives. And this is a big deal. Dignified and not falsely accusing and clear thinking and faithful in what they go after, both in word and action. All right? Huge deal. Then it says, now back to deacons. Let deacons each be the husband of one wife. Let deacons each be the husband of one wife. Same phrase again. This is the one woman man. Let them be a one woman man. And so again, deacons, male, first of all, husband, one wife. So the obvious, we'll start at the top, the obvious. So not polygamy, right? Not two wives, not three wives, not nine wives. By the way, polygamy meaning very specifically not married legally to multiple women, right? 
but more than just not polygamy, also having a heart and an eye that does not wander from your wife. One wife and dedicated to her, and you have a heart that is committed to her. Your heart doesn't wander from her, and your eye does not wander from her. That is a commitment requirement to be able to be focused on caring for your spouse and loving her with all you've got and not letting that drift into somebody else's life and bringing devastation into your own home. Not that. An absolute passion and love and a focus and a dedication for your one wife whom you love, right? That's the requirement and the challenge. So trustworthy, dependable, dedicated. That's what he's getting at, even with your spouse. Managing their children and their household well. Managing their children and their household well. Being able to take care of family. Do you hear the breadth of this list going on? From the words you choose, to the actions you go after, to the things you'll value, to how you care for your wife, to how you care for your family. It's letting Jesus Christ affect you in every facet of your life. And he's like, caring for your children and your household well. This is relationally, this is spiritually, physically caring for the household and going after it with all you've got. Now again, this is not calling for perfection of the kids. This isn't saying someone becomes a deacon once their kids have attained sinlessness. Like, not that, right? And we fully understand that we all have sin. Every one of us in this room, sinful, right? First John 1, we all struggle with sin and we all need to be bringing it before our God in confession. And if we don't recognize that we have sin, well, we're lying and we're not doing the truth. First John 1, that's what it says, right? We have sin and we need a savior. And so do the kids of every family in here. Ready? And all of God's family says, amen. We're all sinners and we see it all the time. And yeah, our kids wrestle, but this doesn't just call them to perfection, but it also doesn't call it to permissiveness. It doesn't call to say, well, just let them go then. Not that either. It is shaping, it is leading, it is guiding, it is helping the family. It is actively working with the family and shepherding them. It's a huge deal that the family is dealt with, that a deacon will lean in with their home and call their kids across and they will discipline where needed. And they will be addressing the situation and the circumstance along the way. And if it ends up obviously too much problem, then it's probably time to take a step back from the responsibilities you have and to be able to take care of that home more. But in general, it's not a call to perfection. And it's certainly not a call to permissiveness, all right? Okay. I just want to make one statement. You've now seen all these responsibilities and statements. You see the list and the details going on. And uh, there's responsibility for leadership of a deacon and for personal management of life, but also of the uh, leadership in the church. And so I just want to tell you, we're going to be making a few changes to deacons coming up here in the next couple of months. And the details we're still rolling out, so we don't have anything big to announce today. But here's one thing for sure. We're probably going to start calling them by a different title. We're probably going to start calling things team leads, okay? A team leader. Why are we doing that? Well, because when we say deacon, the first thing people say is, what's that? 
Like, what is a deacon? In fact, if you were growing up in another church, you may have even heard of deacons as being the ones that actually did the doctrine, discipline, direction, like elders. They were more like elders. And so you're like, oh, are they the ones that make all the decisions for the church? No, right? They're handling our physical means. And there may be others who are like, oh, I get it, a deacon. They're the ones who like do a physical help. And so, well, yes, but they're actually leading teams who are doing that. And so we're going to call them team leaders. Yes, they're all over the physical help. And yes, they're managing what's going on here, the team of it all, okay? So something along the lines of team leader, we're still working out all the details, but I just want you to know, it doesn't mean we're walking away from deacons. It doesn't mean we don't have them. It's going to be like, you know, we've got team leaders, you know, our deacons. A lot like when we say, we've got impact groups, you know, that's our small group right? Same kind of thing. We'll bridge across and make it clear what we're talking about, but let's make it clear with the title what we're doing. And we're going to be going after that, probably even adding some extra team leads and spreading that out some. And then all those team leads are going to be reporting to Pastor Mike, and we're going to be trying to bring some pastoral care on that and shaping into that as well, all right? So that's a little bit of what we got going on. Um, We're going to be figuring that out over the next several months, and we'll let you know more clearly when we have things. But I at least wanted you to hear that. Yes to deacons. It's biblical. And we're going to probably be calling them team leads here just to make it super crystal clear what they go after, okay? That's where we're at. He says, for those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves. Those who serve well gain a good standing for themselves. Humble service and a willing ownership and a Christ-like fellowship puts them in great standing with Jesus Christ and with others. And man, as we follow our God, we bring honor to Jesus Christ. He says, and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. Here's the thing. Did you know that the choices you make and the faithfulness of your steps and your words bring a fire to your soul for Jesus Christ? Did you know that? Did you know that when you hold back, when you pull away, when you decide not to serve, when you're like trying to figure things out and like, I don't think I want to be a part of, that it actually can tend to dampen the fire It can tend to bring it down some. He's like, know this. The fire will be lit up in you for Jesus Christ. You will be like, let's celebrate him with all we've got. Jesus Christ, our King of kings and our Lord of lords. May my words honor him. May my actions honor him. If I'm called up to something higher, may I rally with that and lead from that directive. May God get all the glory. My passion is that my God would be magnified with all I have right here and right now and forever. And all of God's people said, may Jesus Christ get all the glory as we go after him. Let's pray.